live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics with occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by retired professor Phil Beverly, Professor Emeritus Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago, Republican talk show host Stephanie Trussell, and Cormac McGrath, who is the Illinois director of the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. campaign in our state. And it's nice to have you with us. Phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289. Coming to you, of course, from our home base, which is uh, AM560, just outside Chicago. That's the Salem Station in Elk Grove Village, uh, literally just a stone's throw from the city of Chicago. We have lots to talk about. Last week was an extremely busy week uh, for Donald Trump as well as others. And uh, I want to begin, uh, Charles, I'm going to begin with you from the University of Chicago joins us. Donald Trump was fined $350 million by one New York judge a couple of weeks prior to that. Uh, A jury found him $83 million uh, for the defamation case involving uh, Gene Carroll. And my question to you is, uh, as as a voter, and again, you're not necessarily a supporter of Donald Trump, but as someone who supports Donald Trump, do you think it's wise for them to send money to the campaign— or do you think that money is going to be all used for his legal defense? I think it's both, actually, uh, Bruce. <clears throat> I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm a conservative. But uh, I've got to tell you, I found that uh, those verdicts to be outrageous. Uh, they look like the weaponization of our legal system. Um, they reminded me of juries in the Old South when... Uh, when a white person would be brought up for attacking someone who's black and the truth nullified uh, what went on. Nobody has been uh, prosecuted uh, for the real estate crime, in quote, that Donald Trump was. I just think it's outrageous. And I don't think it will dissuade people from sending money in. Okay, Phil Beverly, I want to go to you, a retired uh, professor at University of Illinois, Chicago, a Democrat. What's your reaction, Phil? It's the state of New York. I don't live in New York. I don't vote there or anything. And if that's what the state laws do, I mean, we don't have to agree except agree on the principle of the rule of law and that we're going to follow the rule of law. And if we don't like an outcome, there should be some peaceful democratic means to, to voice some opposition to that. But does, does this look to you, and then I want to get reaction from our guests in studio, does it look to you more like persecution as opposed to prosecution? Phil? In a, in a civil case, no. I mean, the... Donald had the opportunity to not continue to defame this woman, and he chose not to do that on several occasions. And so I I don't know. You get what you get. If you want to say what you want to say, God love you. You go say that. And words have consequences, and now he's got to face the consequences. Stephanie Trussell joins us. She's the closest thing to a card-carrying Republican we have this evening. (laughs) Uh, Stephanie, uh, you ran for lieutenant governor with Darren Bailey, as people know. 
Uh, but your reaction on, on just on this particular case, because, you know, I, I get, you know, all kinds of solicitations throughout the week from Trump as well as from other campaigns. And uh, <clears throat> I just wonder if, if somebody wants to send him, you know, 50 or $100, they probably want it to be used for a campaign purpose, I think. But I don't I don't know yet. Well, they know at this point what's happening. And I, I'm of uh, my opinion is that people see this as not an attack on Trump, but an attack on us as Trump supporters. If it wasn't, he is a person that speaks for us. And so going after him, throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, just because he is who he is. And so but wait a minute. He doesn't speak for Trump supporters when he defames no, Gene no. Carroll. No, no, but That's I mean, him. he was defending himself, defaming her. I just wonder where was has this woman been all this all this time? All of a sudden, she yeah, comes you can, out with you can you can defend yourself what? without defaming someone. Well, I mean, was she is she defaming him by th- these? Re- wild accusations yeah. about what he did. I, I mean, it, we know that's how he is. He's going to defend himself. If you say something to him, he's going to come back at you. But as a Trump supporter, I would send him money. I wouldn't care if it went to his defense fund or if it went to the campaign because, I mean, he needs to defend himself. He has every right to defend himself. And I know what I'm doing. I'm making a choice to decide to send my money and support him. Cormac uh, McGrath also joins us. He's the Illinois director of the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. campaign. Uh, Cormac, nice to have you with us, making your maiden voyage on our show. My question to you is, uh, where do you come down on this particular issue? Is, is, is Donald Trump being persecuted or is he being prosecuted? And are these uh, fines outrageous in your view? I, I mean, I think I would say at this point he is being a little bit persecuted. Uh, they're going to come at him. They're going to throw everything they have at him as far as a legal sense, and they're going to keep trying to see what is going to stick, like you were kind of saying. But, you know, to the question of if you're going to donate to the Trump campaign, where is it going to go? I'm not trying to help the Trump campaign, but, you know, they could almost even separate that and say, hey, you know, there's a separate donation for legal fees and things like that. But, you know, I think that that will be a divisive issue among financial supporters. You know, do you really want to support his legal efforts or do you just want to support his campaign? So, you know, I mean, as an independent campaign, we don't want to see any, you know, illegal persecution happening. And, you know, we don't want to have any of this thrown at us either. So, you know, we're never on Donald Trump's side. We're never trying to support Donald Trump. But I think that, you know, at one point we can all support the fact that they're going a little bit over the top uh, attacking him like this. But we should mention for the audience, because you shared this with Stephanie and I before we went on the air, before this is your first campaign and you're directing the state of Illinois. You're also involved with Students for Kennedy. Yes. Um, you were a Republican. You identified yourself as a Republican Absolutely. prior to this. What was it about the Republicans that made you say bye-bye? And what was it about Robert Kennedy Jr. that made you say, this is where I'm going to cast my political lot? So there's a couple things in there. I think the first thing that you could say that made me not really want to be a Republican anymore was the same thing that would have made me not want to be a Democrat. You know, I think that at a certain level, I don't know if I'm not going to say Trump's part of it or not, but I think at a certain level in both parties, you reach a point where, you know, they're all shaking hands with each other. They're all making money. And there's not a lot of politics that happen at that point, or at least, you know, advocating for constituents. So I think like a lot of younger people, I just fell out of faith with our two party system and not necessarily good congressmen or good people that are in both parties at lower levels trying to make a difference. So I think that that answers the first part. But to the Robert Kennedy question, it's an easy 
it's an easy kind of flip. You know, I mean, if you're disenfranchised with the Republicans and the Democrats, then uh, you're obviously going to want to kind of trend Democrat or trend independent. And Kennedy's the guy there. He's in the middle. We're making the most progress. And he's not telling you to hate your neighbor. He's telling you to talk to your neighbor about why things are different or, you know, get along with people. So I think that's what I preferred. Phil Beverly, how do you respond to that uh, that answer? You're you're a Democrat, but uh, uh, do you give Kennedy much of a chance in this race? No. <laughs> that's the no. We're going to a break. <laughs> that was the tease. The word is no. And then the but part of it comes after our break. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. We're talking about presidential politics this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we can come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Visit surroundchicago.com and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one -on -one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid, My kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. 
Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Roostermont back, and we go to Phil Beverly, who is going to uh, elaborate on his answer why he doesn't uh, think much of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a candidate. It's not that I don't think much of him as a candidate. It's just third-party candidates in general. Um, our system isn't designed for that. They Third-party candidates typically don't have a, a national infrastructure to be able to run a 50-state race, or even if they're trying to focus on the, the states that are important, the two major party candidates are going to be pouring a ton of resources into um, especially those swing states, the four or five swing states, and they're just going to get edged out. Um, if they spend a lot of money, like on TV and that, I think it's, I don't think it's money well spent. If the long game is to, to bring issues that we don't typically talk about into the public debate, then let's do that. Um, right now, we seem to not be able to talk about things that are important. We've got other things on our minds, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, supporting Putin or whatever. Right. Um, I'm really concerned about that mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else. I want to go to Charles. Charles, my recollection is, as in your previous appearances on the show, you've not been a big fan of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Is that correct? That's right. Why? Well... Um, it's, uh, I know less about his, uh, a variety of his specific positions and more, uh, I'm in agreement with, uh, my friend Philip Beverly, who, uh, I think is right. I mean, look, uh, Ross Perot is the person who got Bill Clinton elected president, um, took more votes away from George, uh, H.W. Bush. And I just think, uh, it's a hard road to hoe. I think the one person who could really be disruptive as a third-party candidate is Nikki Haley if she decides to run on no labels because I think uh, she would try to run as a centrist. But then what happens is both parties attack, and the reason they attack is, uh, well, the party that will attack the hardest is the one that thinks it'll lose the most votes to the third party mm-hmm. candidate. Well, at this particular moment, I mean, it seems to me the Democratic Party has gone out of its way to go after Robert F. Kennedy. I mean, they they have challenged him on ballots in, in a lot of states. It's still going on. I think at the moment, uh, Cormac, uh, Robert Kennedy is only on two state ballots. Is that correct? That is correct. How do you win if you're only on two state ballots and it's already uh, March 1st almost? So while we're on two state ballots, we're going through the process of a third. I forget exactly which state it is. But we're going through the process of we have all the votes and we're getting them calculated. But honestly, the biggest hurdle that we... Have what votes? What, what votes do you or the, need? The ballot signatures. We have those okay. for petitions. this third state. I just can't... Yeah, petitions. petitions. Um, uh, but... Mostly, we're waiting in most states for a VP candidate. So most states, their laws require a vice presidential candidate before you can even start petitioning at all. So honestly, we've got a lot of states that could probably go out and do it in a matter of weeks, and we could probably, boom, whip out 15 states in a matter of a month or two. But 
they just need a vice presidential candidate to even start. But those 15 states are not going to give you what you need to be elected president. No, I mean, you that's just the start. more than 15 states. We need 50. You need, you need yeah, you need 50. Mm-hmm. Mathematically, you could probably do it with less, but 50 states is what really makes you a viable, uh, you know, candidacy. Yeah, it makes so you seem like a real guy. you're being held up. Now, again, the, the decision by no labels to, or the decision, I guess, by Joe Manchin that he is not going to run, uh, does that give you an opportunity? Because I do know, because we have the head of no labels as a guest on this program several months ago, and she said no way about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. She dismissed him, you know, uh, in a heartbeat. So is anybody still working on that, or do they take no as a no? Uh, are you, What do you mean by that? Like, do... Well, I mean, could he could he end up on the no labels mm-hmm. ticket? Is that something that he would pursue, even though what I can report to you and those who've listened to this program, we have the we have the founder, one of the founders of no labels on this program. Fritz, I think it was about two months ago. And she said, no way, Robert Kennedy. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about I, I don't think we would do anything with no labels. I mean, we're. Our own independent thing, you know, we're not trying to get tacked on to anybody. And uh, does that does that answer your question, really? I mean, well, we're somewhat, not... but but again, there's also been rumors that there's been flirtation with the Libertarian Party. That maybe you know you'd be looking for a party that already has gone through the legwork and is gotcha. already on the ballot because of past actions. Uh, I mean, does I would that say... give you a quicker way to get to your goal, which is to get him. On fifty ballots uh, in a contest with the, you know, Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden. So what I say to that is, we would rather have a libertarian or a green or another third party jump on with us as opposed to joining another third party like a libertarian. Just because I think if we would join something like that, it would kind of almost make it seem like, oh, we're taking a backstage or we're just going to sink back and sit back with this group that kind of, you know, they run every year, but no one ever kind of gives them the time of day. I think it would mean more if they jumped on with us and it was a consolidation. Uh, Question follow-up. I want to ask uh, Phil and and Stephanie and also Charles. Uh, uh, Cornell West is out there looking to be an independent candidate. He certainly isn't going to endorse Joe Biden. He's not going to endorse Donald Trump. Could Cornell West be a vice presidential candidate with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Stephanie, I want to give you, let you tackle that one first. That would certainly be a very interesting ticket. Um, what they both are suffering from is that the media is just simply ignoring them. I, I yes. remember when they both announced, and then you just kind of forget about them. And, and unfortunately, the media is a big part of campaigns. If they just pretend that you're not out there and people right. just don't, it's up to, and like you, like you said, whoever said that, um, independents or new people don't have the ground game and they can't get the message out there. They need the media to at least pay attention yeah, to Chuck them. Todd on you, Chuck Todd on NBC, mm-hmm. not only at that point the, the moderator of Meet the Press, but also the head of the Washington Bureau at the end of one program. He just he just universally dismissed uh, Robert Kennedy basically as a human being. It was just it was a disgraceful example of of professionalism and, and basically a lack of ethics and fairness on the part of NBC News. They're going to, they're going to ignore Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Question to you, Phil. Um, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Is, has some appeal to some Republican Trump supporters. Uh, we have one here who's at least left the Republican Party to work for Robert F. Kennedy. 
but we've had Trump people on this program who speak very highly of Robert Dave Kennedy. Would Cornell West, what would he do if he jumped on a ticket with Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Does that have any impact at all on what might happen? Not as a not as a vice presidential candidate. Um, I think there's some novelty element to it conceivably, but you know you've you've got to think somebody like Cornell is a is a public intellectual has never been elected to anything, and so right. he doesn't bring any wealth of governing experience. And I, but I just he's gotta running say for it, president. <laughs> but he's I, running I, I for president. <laughs> I'm I'm worried about people who run for president who've never done the political thing. And the political thing is get elected and show that you understand the electoral process and then do the constituency service side or the legislating side or something so that you understand how government works. This idea that politics should be an amateur sport is nonsense. But wait a minute. To an amateur that, architect you're, describe, a you're describing Donald Trump. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, he did okay. it. He did it. Yeah. Now, granted, he had a couple of yeah. billion dollars, and, but he did it. And we see the outcome of that electorally for him in 2020. Charles, are we wasting our time talking about other issues uh, when it comes to what this campaign is going to be about? That it, it basically it, it's Trump and Biden and all these other issues and candidates are really uh, superfluous and wasting our time. I think that it's between Trump and Biden, unless uh, there's a, a black swan event with regard to Trump or uh, unless Joe Biden's cognitive decline becomes uh, so obvious that it, it's a real problem. What do you mean but by a black swan event for those who are not familiar with that uh, term? A very uh, a rare event, the equivalent of an earthquake. Um, which you can't predict, but which has uh, a big impact. For example, a, a stroke or a heart attack or a shooting or okay. you know, uh, kinds of things. I, I, by the way, on shooting, I want to say that I wrote a piece that I said it was outrageous that the Biden administration failed to provide security for Robert F. Kennedy. Absolutely. And failed to provide it after there had been a credible threat. And we have now heard rumors that Mayorkas himself personally turned that down. I just think that's outrageous and uh, he deserves uh, protection. But getting back to your main point, the real, even if it's between those two, margins are very close in the purple states and a, a few thousand votes or a green candidate or a third party or Cornell West could make a big difference. But again, according to recent polls, 83% in one poll, 83% of those polled said they didn't want Biden and they didn't want Trump. Now that, that is a huge opportunity for someone. Now, Nikki Haley is trying to make that about her. Uh, we'll know next Sunday night in this program how well she does this coming Saturday in her home state. But again, uh, that's a huge possibility. That's a huge population of voters that are waiting to be satisfied, and they're not going to be satisfied with, with the Biden and Trump. We're going to talk more about that. We'll take phone calls at 1-800-723-8029 if you want to weigh in. 
Do you really want a third-party opportunity, whether it's Robert Kennedy Jr. or someone else? You want a different option when you go to the polls in November. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. This is Carol Platt, Lebel for townhall.com. China already owns over 349 acres of American farmland. Now the number of Chinese migrants at our southern border, many of them young men of military age, has surged. In fiscal year 2023, the number rose to 52,000. That's a lot of people from America's foremost adversary. Some may be in search of a better life, but it's a safe bet many are here for less innocent reasons. They're likely to be spies, or perhaps coming to staff China's illegal overseas police stations operating on U.S. soil. Worst of all, we're admitting people who could sow chaos across our country were America ever to go to war with China. And yet the administration lets them keep on coming. It's just another example of the Biden administration's reluctance to take a firm stance when it comes to China. Americans will pay the price. I'm Carol platt Lebow. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Matthew. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey. Want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It is President's Day Eve in America, so don't forget tomorrow, you want you to go out and get your new mattress. <laughs> because <laughs> President's Day is Mattress Day in America, and boy, I saw more spots this past weekend on the, on television for mattresses. It's, I don't I don't know what the connection is, but it just it hey, seems... Hey, Bruce, yes. Bruce, 
Do you, do you, uh, like me, maybe I'm just an old guy, but me too. I really miss, the, I just miss the fact that there used to be a day for George Washington and a day for Abraham Lincoln. I do too. Uh, but again, the powers that be, uh, who are these people, imaginary people in a room somewhere, they decided that they were going to lump Millard Fillmore and Abraham Lincoln <laughs> into the same, you know, with Grover Cleveland and everybody else. Uh, but, you know. I, I thought rumor okay. was it that the ski lobbyists, you know, got together so they could make this great long weekend for well, you know, I, skiing. Well, I, I, think I think that was part of it. But right. again, I mean, uh, certainly a half of Americans, the, I don't think the South, well, you came from Mississippi. They never celebrated Lincoln's birthday in the South, did they? <laughs> They might that have celebrated the day he was assassinated, grew, but that was about I, it. When I grew, when I grew up, uh, they actually celebrated. Although uh, I don't think anybody went out and bought mattresses, um, uh, they celebrated Jefferson Davis's birthday. But now he was from Mississippi, well, and I grew up in Mississippi. I think people went out and bought sheets and then cut holes in them. Maybe that's how it started. Maybe it was maybe it was a sheet sale that turned into a mattress sale. That could oh be. <laughs> Charles, while you're on camera here, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself because this is the portion of our program for regular listeners where we let everybody sort of self-introduce themselves. But uh, other than coming from Marks, Mississippi, which is where that southern accent comes from, tell us a little more about who you are and how you got to where you are. Well, I'm uh, a long-term a participant on Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont. You are. Uh, I left uh, Marx after high school, uh, went to college in the East and got my PhD there as well. But for many, many years, I've taught at the University of Chicago. I've spent time back at Harvard. I've spent time at the London School of Economics and the like, but mostly I've been there and uh, I've also become more and more uh, uh, columnist on political issues. Right. People can get those columns at Charles Lipson, L-I-P-S-O-N, charleslipson.com. And also frequently on Real Clear Politics, correct? That's correct. Yeah, because you, you, uh, are, you are a prodigious blogger. I guess that's the term. But you are, I mean, every, every other day there's something that you have uh, of great consequence that you want to share with your friends and neighbors. Uh, Phil, <laughs> and more, it's, it's more than just your family now. It's, it's actually thousands and thousands yeah, of people. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, Bruce, I've told people, though, it's like uh, the popularity of our mayor, Brandon Johnson. They no longer count percentages. They actually name the people who still support him. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I, I think that that's the number of people who read my columns. Let's go to Phil Beverly, who uh, joins us. Uh, he is Retired from the University of Illinois at Chicago, but uh, and also a Chicago Bears fan. So, Phil, uh, a little bit more about your background. Uh, lifelong Chicagoan, except for 10 years when I went to undergrad and was in the military. Uh, didn't think I'd end up back in Chicago, and that's how you make God laugh. You tell her your plan. <laughs> what? Um, I, I retired and uh, started pursuing... Uh, not a dream necessarily, but sort of something that had been nagging at me. And I've become a fiction writer. So I've got uh, some stuff that I'm, I'm working right. on um, that's sort of a little different. And I'm still an adjunct lecturer at uh, UIC, uh, 
in my spare time. And also, for longtime viewers, you've been on this program a long time. I don't know whether it's as long as Charles, but you've been on no. you know, well, well over 15 years. Uh, and share with the audience, because uh, you're, an, you're African-American, for those listening on radio, but back in the, the days when Barack Obama, the senator from Illinois, was running for president, you did not jump on that bandwagon quickly. How come? Um, I, I didn't think he had the experience to be president yet. Um, I'm, I'm one of those sort of old school people that looks for people who have executive experience, mm -hmm. meaning they were a governor or, dare I say, a general. I know that sort of feels weird in this era. Um, not that I was a, an Eisenhower supporter, obviously, but I understood that, you know, President Eisenhower ran a big undertaking and yes. could manage a large enterprise as an executive. Um, I didn't think that he had the, the executive experience to be uh, to, to be the president. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was a transition point in our country's mm -hmm. history that that kind of experience isn't necessary anymore. Mm -hmm. We and you were, were you were also, by the way, we should mention for those you know, during the, the the administration of Barack Obama, you were a frequent guest on this program, and uh, you were you were refreshing in that you were a Democrat that was not knee jerk, because there were times that you disagreed with President Barack Obama, and that was, uh, I think, a badge of courage for you to say that coming from academia, where I'm sure you were not necessarily welcomed when you hmm. went back to school uh, Monday morning. Stephanie, I had that experience. Um, I, I had uh, the, the former president when he was just a state senator come and talk in my class. So I, 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 I don't know him, know him that way, but he was very gracious, obviously brilliant intellectually. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't be a professor at U of C law school if he were just average. Right. Um, and I, I could be critical of him, as I could be critical of Kara Mosley Braun, mm -hmm. much to my right. dismay. She was a disappointment mm -hmm. to many. Mm -hmm. Stephanie Trussell joins us. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you mentioned, I had a radio show for seven years on WLS. I filled in here at 560 for a while, ran for lieutenant governor. And now my husband and I own a gourmet hot dog restaurant in Lyle in DuPage County, Boss Dogs. And I... I jokingly tell people I'm now a cashier at a, at a hot dog restaurant, but I would like to say I'm a political <laughs> pundit. I, I'm obsessed with politics. I love Illinois. Uh, my accent is a Chicago accent. I was raised on the west side of Chicago. I went over the wall in 1993 and fled to DuPage County, where I raised my five children. And so I'm just um, I'm so excited every time I get the message about you asking me to come on. I always Good. have a great time here. Good. A, a question about your run for lieutenant governor. Mm -hmm. When you were in that position, and, and there were others that were being considered, and you went through the interview process, and you were anointed or selected, at, at what point does somebody come in, it may not have been Darren Bailey, but at what point does someone come in and say, Stephanie, you can't say that anymore, you got to say this, and tries to control your mouth? But you mean prior to him selecting me, or? No, no, after. after. I'm sorry, I once you, were, you. once you were the nominee... Uh, you probably could not have been as open and candid as your radio as, career oh, yeah. dictates. They, I was surprised that after seven years of me just speaking my mind that um, our opponents didn't find me just ranting and raving. But what happened, I was selected by Darren, taking my husband and, out, and I out to dinner with his wife, and they made us the offer and immediately handed me 
some papers just saying, as lieutenant governor candidate, this is what we would like you to say. Mm -hmm. And I was given pretty much full reign. I mean, I just I, I just stuck to what I mean, I got to speak my mind. But, I mean, I understood there were certain things that I couldn't say as a passionate radio host where I'm mm -hmm. pounding my fist. As a candidate, I had to be a little bit more inclusive and not sound right. so, you know, um, polarizing. Right. Yeah, people <laughs> might they'd say I'm a, I'm a radical Christian conservative, but, yeah. uh, Stephanie, I have a question for you. All right, and then we're going to introduce uh, Cormac. This is, a national, this is a national program, and you should tell people whether you allow ketchup on your hot dogs i, I told no. you i'm from chicago don't you dare no. ask that question we no. joke when people come in I, I tell them that we lose our hot dog license if we were to put ketchup on the hot dog so there is ketchup in the lobby if they want to do that to their hot dog they're free to do that but never ever do we and put by the way we dog. want to make sure that 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 connor uh, or, or cormac uh, mcgrath briefs Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That if he comes to yeah, Chicago, he oh, yeah. don't, don't let anybody trick him into taking a picture dog. with the hot dog. Now, uh, you were the <laughs> Illinois director of RFK Jr. for president, also students for Kennedy. Uh, you're a young man, 23 years old. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Relatively short, but tell us about. No it. worries. Uh, I'm from Palatine, born and raised, and uh, went to school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at Calvin University. Uh, it was the year I went there to change from college to university. So I guess. Whatever that means. But so uh, got a political science degree there. I was a lacrosse player for a little while, but kind of a little bit of a backstory. I got COVID on my 20th birthday, and I was also in ROTC as well, uh, trying to, in Army ROTC, trying to be a helicopter pilot. Would have loved to do that. But uh, once I got the COVID, I ended up somehow developing exercise induced asthma. And after a year long uh, doctor visits and different investigations into what was actually going on, they actually figured out, oh, exercise-induced asthma, had to stop playing lacrosse because I just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, ROTC actually tried to sue me and say that I knew about my asthma beforehand, which was uh, crazy, and it took like 18 months to get through. But, uh, but yeah, made it through that, and uh, unfortunately I can't serve, but uh, like and, what I'm doing now. And what is it about Robert Kennedy Jr. that turns you on? By the way, here's a picture with you for those on, on watching on television. This was a picture with uh, you and Robert Kennedy a few months ago. Oh, but go absolutely. ahead. I, I think it's the same for a lot of young people. Just the fact that he's not left, he's not right, he's not Trump, he's not Biden, who have both had an opportunity to be president. And I think a lot of people are just ready for a change. He's not telling you to hate your neighbor. You know, you're not going to war if you're voting independent. You're coming back home from war. No one's yelling at you or screaming at you for your opinion. So it's really refreshing for a young person who's had a lot of that, you'd be surprised mm -hmm. already. So, yeah. A young, idealistic. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's been a yeah. while since we had a young, idealistic. Oh, thank you, thank you. Guest on the show. The gift to Gab helps. 1-800-723-8029. When we come back, we'll get back to a discussion of issues. And don't go away. Wherever you're listening, around the world, this is Beyond the Beltway. This is Dennis Prager. Sign up today for an unforgettable experience in Israel this October. Mike Gallagher and I are traveling to the Holy Land on the Stand with Israel tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. This trip of a lifetime to Israel is one you don't want to miss. Register today before it's too late at StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519. The cat sat on the mat. 
You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel, not like the other guys. Watch anytime on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off at school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. We had a great In between Donald Trump's New York legal actions last week, uh, the spotlight turned to Atlanta, Georgia, where uh, uh, Fannie Willis uh, took the stand. She is the district attorney down there, and she is leading the charge uh, against Donald Trump for interference uh, in the state of Georgia in the election case. And uh, Charles Lepson, you have written on the subject. You've written on many subjects, but uh, you were especially uh, sort of perturbed at Fannie Willis last week. I felt like... uh she was everything that a prosecutor shouldn't be, not only on the stand, but uh, she hired her boyfriend, whether he was a boyfriend a month before or, or even years before she hired him or only after, as she and he say, but other witnesses have said the opposite. Uh, they went on seven vacations together. She's paid him more than $650,000 from her office. Uh, the other experts that she hired, she's one of them a RICO expert. Mind you, this is a RICO case. Uh, they've been paid less than $100,000. She claims 
she didn't receive any benefits from her friend Nathan Wade from all of this 650000 because everywhere they went, she paid half of her uh, way. Well, how did she pay it? Well, all in cash. Right. But she hasn't shown saved it. any She withdrawal. saved it because her, her, da- her daddy told her to save it. And they played the race card on that too. All right, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get reaction. I want to get reaction from guests. Uh, Stephanie, your reaction first. First of all, did you watch any of the interrogation of Fannie Willis? And if so, what was your reaction as a as a as a black woman? What was your reaction? Well, I have to correct everyone. It's Fannie. Fannie. That's the correct pronunciation. And I also want to say, as a black woman. I am not carrying loads of cash on me, so no one tried to hit me on the way out of the studio. Trust me, okay. I debit cards. But I was very uh, – I've, I've been paying attention since this came out, and, and the Sunday after it w- went viral, she went to a church and said that she was being attacked because she's a black woman. He was being attacked because he, out of the three lawyers, he was the only black one, and this was race, 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 race. But she didn't say anything about the fact that she took a black woman's husband. So this is just – this is so sad. It's so ridiculous that um, because she's getting away with this, because she is a black woman, you can do anything as a black woman. And especially if you've been put in charge of taking down Trump, like you can run on that. I'm going to take Trump down as a black woman or a black man. This is utterly ridiculous. It's very embarrassing. And it's just really sad that when you listen to the left, because I'm an emotional cutter, I always listen to what the left has to say about this. And they think she did a great job, that she was phenomenal on stage. Phil Beverly, your reaction to uh this case and specifically the way she was interrogated? Well, the the part of me that really enjoys sort of melodramatic distraction was very entertained by it. Um, But that's all that that was for me was distraction. I I really like us to get back to, I don't know, facts of the case and mm, stuff like evidence and see what that says, because in our system, that should be what convicts or exonerates, not the the other stuff. Should the case be moved, in your view? Be moved? Yeah. I, I don't. That sort of goes against what our rule of law says that you're supposed to be tried in the place that the crime occurred. And but if, doesn't if the judge? But doesn't moved, the if that case is to be moved, then we move that case out of Florida with the, the classified Georgia, documents. out of Georgia. You mean, no, you mean, no, no, the other, the Florida. other. The, the other case, okay. the federal case. If you want to start moving cases, okay, but we, we need to move all of them then. Uh, Charles, well, what's your reaction to that? Case. This is a statewide case, though, Philip. Uh, uh, oh, I understand, the, but the principle still And the they can move it to any other jurisdiction within Georgia. The, the effect of that, I don't see how they can avoid ruling out Fannie, uh, Fannie Willis and uh, Nathan uh, Wade, and that rules out her office. There are actually quite a few people from the office who wanted to come forward and testify. Uh, and uh, the judge in this hearing excluded this uh, the speech uh, to that was a separate issue, he said, the speech to the church. And I think that's important because it's a question of influencing the jury pool. And so uh, they, they, they were likely to move the case, but it's hard to know. The, ju- the judge may not do that. But if they do move the case, it will delay it quite substantially. And the new 
a group that's in charge of it, the new DA in some other county, may decide not to bring the case or bring it against only some of the people. Isn't the goal here, at least for Trump, in all of these cases, is move the trial, move the case? Although in the case of uh, uh, the Stormy Daniels case, uh, he's got to go to court on March 25th on that. He's not going to be able to move that again. They tried to move it. But again, we're going to have that case uh, unfolding literally in the wake of uh, Super Tuesday. And again, and Jack uh, Smith, Jack Smith right. has said he I mean, he's he hasn't said why, but he said it's of absolute urgency that he try his cases before the election. Do you well, agree I mean, with that? Do you agree with that? Oh, I think it's a terrible idea. I think that Bill, the do, whole, you, do you agree with that? Do you do you believe oh, that there should be a decision? Yeah. That's what I thought. Oh, Go absolutely. Ahead. Give him the opportunity to exonerate himself before we have an election, because as we know, elections have consequences. And if he's innocent, we'll be exonerated because of stuff like evidence and facts. That's, that's too much of a distraction as he's running a national campaign. That's unfair. Every other court case takes forever. So we're going to rush this. That's just unacceptable. But don't you think the people need to know before they vote? They know. They, they know. I mean, he, he ran for president and won before, and all of a sudden, all these trumped-up old charges, new charges, let's throw everything at the wall. But a lot, of people, a lot of people do know when they disagree with you, Stephanie. Well, they, 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 they have every they right know to that, and, they, and, and they're going to vote for somebody or Robert Kennedy Jr. or somebody else. I should add We've got to pause. The music is a playing, or at least in a matter of seconds, it will be playing. <laughs> and that means that we've got to say farewell to no one because this great group, They've all been signed for a, for a two-hour contract this <laughs> evening, and uh, we don't want to lose any money on them. Uh, 1-800-723-8020 is the phone number. If you have a question, comment, give us a call. And also, uh, we've got other things coming up in the next hour, including NATO, the future of NATO. Under President Trump, what would it mean? Back shortly, Amber Dumont. This is Carol Platt-Lebel for townhall.com. China already owns over 349 acres of American farmland. Now the number of Chinese migrants at our southern border... Wherever you are listening from coast to coast and border to border, you've joined us now for hour number two of Beyond the Beltway, coming to you from Chicago. Nice to have you with us this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. We've got Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago. We've got, uh, we have Stephanie Trussell, who's a Republican. Uh, we have Cormac McGrath, who's the head of the Kennedy for Campaign, Kennedy for Illinois campaign here in the great state. And we have Phil Beverly from the University of Chicago. They are University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, they are joining us. And uh, Secretary Mayorkas from DHS, he was impeached last week uh, by the House by one vote. Uh, it now goes to the Senate where nothing's going to happen. Stephanie, is it a waste of time to go after someone that you know is not going to be convicted by the U.S. Senate? Well, it, not only not convicted, if he were convicted and removed, we know he'd be replaced by someone just like him. But I think this is an important move to make. It's a strong statement. I'm glad we're finally talking about the border and what's happening at the border. It's it's one of the things that one of the top three things that's important in this upcoming election. But what's the strong statement? 
that that he's not doing his job. We need to bring attention to the fact that someone is but so— But by one vote. But that's really sad. And I think anybody who—any Republican that vote that didn't vote to impeach him needs to be primaried and sent—that's you know, it. It's, this is a time right now. Nothing's more important than the fact that our com- country is being invaded at this time. We, Charles before, Lipson, my question to you is, was this a waste of time? Uh, not quite, but it was a mistake. Uh, and uh, uh, politically, um, the the advantage to Republicans is that it puts uh, immigration uh, before the public in a Senate trial, and it forces Democrats to support Mayorkas, whose policies are insupportable. The reason it's a mistake is some of the uh, reasons that Stephanie said, but also <clears throat> uh, we've moved into a tit for tat where. Now every president is being impeached. This used to be quite rare. We're now moving to impeach a cabinet member, uh, not for a high crime or misdemeanor, but essentially for a policy, which is the president's policy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a mistake, and I think the okay. public will see it as a distraction. Cormac, what's your reaction to this as a, as a young independent? What's your reaction? Is this a waste of time by Congress? Is this one of the things that you're ticked off about? Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between, you know, a witch hunt like we've been seeing with some people and a lot of people being unhappy and upset with the way he's been doing his job. I mean, obviously, we see the massive influx of immigration, what's been going on at the border, and especially here in Chicago, everyone's feeling it. Everyone can see it on a daily basis. We have entire communities out protesting it. And uh, so what's Robert Kennedy going to do about it? He is pro getting rid of the the migrants. He wants to send them back home and then reshore up and secure the southern border because he went down there and he actually had a little bit different take. He was maybe a little bit more pro-migrant, but once he got down there and he saw what was really going on and the state of the security down there, he changed his mind and he he understands the the real security that we really need at the border down there because it is it's a serious threat with what's going on. What does on he want to do with the migrants, though? We have to deport them and you know send them home. I mean, there's not. Amen. Uh, sorry, um, uh, there that was Stephanie. I sorry. thought I heard like, "Amen." That was my fault. No, Amen. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's 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 untenable right now the current situation. So you know, and I mean, you never know who's flowing across that southern border with you know what we're provoking in Hamas. Does Robert, and, does, does, does Robert Kennedy's position of deportation? How does that differ from what Donald Trump has said is that he wants to have the largest deportation in U.S. history? Well, I mean, he said that before, but I think that Obama still holds the record for it. But, um, uh, I mean, it's more of a civil deportation. I mean, you can't just be hunting people down and chucking them out of the country. I mean, it's more about trying to bring these migrants back to where they were from and, you know, analyzing what is really the root cause of people pouring over the border and trying to really solve what's happening, uh, whether it be with aid or with other support, you know, because if you just let, if you just put a big wall up there, they're still probably going to keep coming and find new ways. That's always how it's been. So what what sort of, uh, again, getting back to what uh, Robert Kennedy might be thinking, Mm -hmm. what is he thinking insofar as additional aid to countries that are that are feed that are feeding the migrants to the United States. Is there something that he thinks we should be doing towards the, those countries? He's still exploring some options. I mean, we're obviously not talking. We're going into toppling regimes or something like that. But I mean, you know, these countries they need to be somewhat held accountable for what's going on. So you know, whether it's 
giving more people the, the aid they need and cutting off, you know, government resources, things like that to their actual politicians. You know, there's it's it's less it's less about trying to just shove people out of the country and saying, oh, the problem's all over there. And it's more about finding new ways to help these countries. And he's still exploring what he can do exactly as to that. Because Bill, does that sound like a policy to you? Or is it a, is it a plan in motion? I think it's a fact-finding mission. There's no policy there. And I, I definitely agree with, with Stephanie. Something has to be done. It's too bad that, you know, the bill that was worked on by Senator Langford from Oklahoma got shot down in the House, which tells me that even a conservative Republican like uh, Jim Langford can't get any traction on, uh, on the border, which to me makes it less a policy issue, which is kind of curious since that's what the impeachment was about, and makes it more a political issue that we need to be able to run on. So how serious are we, especially given that bipartisanship is so rare in D.C.? It's so rare. I disagree. Um, but how, but, but Phil, how important, how, how important was, as a point of that legislation, how important was it that 5,000 could come in every single day and 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 that that's what would trigger the shutdown. And if it was shut down one day and three oh, days later, so, 5,000, they'd shut it down again. But again, how does that... Uh, here's, here's the thing, Bruce. How can the, people get excited say, about that? What, what I was going to say earlier is politics, to me, works best when each side is equally disappointed in the outcome that neither side gets exactly what they wanted because they had to compromise. And if that was the compromise that a conservative senator came up with, okay, then we live with it and we make it work. But if you think you're going to get everything that you want, you're pretty delusional understanding how democratic politics works. Democratic small d, just in case anybody thinks I'm being partisan here. It doesn't work that you get everything that you want. That sort of unicorns and rainbows thing, that's not that's not I, I, realistic. You're, you're throwing the term conservative Republican. I, I don't know enough about this gentleman, but allowing up to 5,000 a day as a black woman, a descendant of enslaved Americans that helped build this country, I am insulted. I'm upset that my people are being put on the back of the bus once again for illegals that are pouring over this border every day. First, the Democrats said the border's not open. Then they said it's not a crisis. Now they're blaming Republicans that because they can't, we wouldn't sign this bill. This was not a border bill. This is more about Ukraine. It's more about Israel. Let's seal the border. Let's build the wall. And, and it's just that simple because we have Americans that are sleeping under the bridge under 22nd Street here in Chicago that are veterans. And thank you for your service, Phil. Those are the people I'm concerned about. I don't care about those people. And cut off the aid. We're sending the money and we're taking all of the, the people that they don't want to deal with. Unbelievable. I want to get Charles' response when we come back. I'm Bruce Dubon from Coast to Coast and Border to Border. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway. And we've got other topics to discuss, including when we come back, I want to get Charles' response on uh, uh, what's happening at the southern border, but then also talk about uh, NATO and some of the things that Donald Trump said and some of the things that uh, the allies have responded to. Thanks As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. 
open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, visit surroundchicago.com right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Visit surroundchicago.com today. In the new video series, Fault Lines, Professor Vodi Bauckham examines the threat of woke social doctrine versus biblical justice. The religion of anti-racism has no redemption. We have to be right about what God requires in this critical moment. Discover the fault lines beneath today's cultural divide. What God are you trying to appease? Fault Lines, the 10-part video series and essential six-part study guide. Available at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce DeMont back and uh, Charles Lipson uh, to you to react to uh, uh, thus far, uh, comments thus far on uh, the southern border? I think that the southern border is the biggest uh, policy crisis um, on the agenda right now. It is absolutely stunning to see uh, polling showing uh, that illegal immigration is a, a more important issue to voters uh, than the economy. Uh, now, if the economy went into recession, that would change. I think that the one thing that's been missing in all of this is that what's happening now, I think, with these cartels, Bruce, looks a lot to me like what happened when the mafia was formed by bringing in 
uh, illegal liquor. You end up forming these very deeply entrenched criminal networks that can take decades uh, to, to get out. They're bringing across fentanyl. Uh, they started by bringing across people, but they're bringing across drugs. They're now deeply entrenched. This is going to be a long-term policy problem. I'm going to ask a question, and I want to make sure that I'm not uh, insulting the Italian-American community, but I want, to, I want to follow up with you, Charles, based on what you said. Does this mm-hmm. mean in, in your interpretation or my interpretation of what you've recently said, do you think the migration of large numbers of Italians from Italy to New York, um, was that tied to the exportation of the mafia from Italy to the United States? Did, did that all happen at the same time, I mean, do you do you, do you understand my, my my question? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to ask it of well, you because I think we have four bright people here today. But again, the mafia one of the would. Thing, but uh, you know, go ahead. The mafia uh, was Sicilian, and uh, not just all uh, Italians. Uh, most of the great Italian migration around the year 1900. Uh, through the 20s, came from southern Italy, uh, and some came from Sicily. Um, The the mafia, the Sicilian mafia, came in with them. But what really made them into a national organization was making liquor illegal. And Mm -hmm. uh, you needed to have these networks to move it across the border and get it all the way to a local bar. The and reason, uh, the, reason, the reason I yeah. asked that question, and I want everybody to get a response to it, because uh, the story in the last couple of weeks has been there are, there are many, I guess, hundreds, if not thousands, of members of Venezuelan gangs that are coming to the United States and they are, in some cases, there was a big story in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, where they are being recruited uh, by gangs in the city of Chicago. And they have basically integrated them into their gang activity. And they're part of the smash and grab and the street crime that is, that is increasing in the city of Chicago. And so they see in this influx of Venezuelans who are coming here, some with gang involvement, not all, but some with gang involvement, and they're fitting in to an organized network of criminal street activity in the city of Chicago, as well as, I've heard it also, in New York. So I'm, I'm just wondering if, 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 what, if what we're importing from Venezuela is more than just a young family trying to, to make their life better, are we possibly infiltrating with young, you know, age, young aged men? Are we inviting potential gang members who are only going to make the criminal activity of the United States worse? Phil, does that make any sense to you, what I've just laid out? And if so, uh, how do we combat that? Yeah, or do you think, think that's just both. all smoke and mirrors? No, I think it's both. I think that there's there's a concerted effort on the part of the Venezuelan government to empty its prisons. 
Um, it has been an oppressive regime, and so there are still Venezuelans fleeing from political repression. The, the, the authoritarian regime has essentially destroyed the economy, which is crazy to me considering they're an OPEC member, and it was actually the Venezuelan oil minister who created the idea for OPEC in the first place. And they're, they're a poor country, so there's economic deprivation. So there's this confluence of factors that is leading to this. What the law enforcement response has got to be, has got to be both domestic and international. And I, I know this is going to sound like bullying, bad American, you know, Norte America. Americano kind of speak, but yeah, we need to start thinking about some regime change in Venezuela. And that doesn't mean we have to invade them, given that the U.S. has a pretty colorful history of militarily intervening in Central and South America. We tried but, that a couple of years yeah, ago. I, mean, yeah, I, I think we've really got to up our game on Maduro's got to go. And it's not right. like they don't have a viable opposition. It's just the opposition has been repressed. I think if you brought some political stability there, that's going to solve 40 to 50% of our problem. And then we're going to have to clean up on the other side of those that are here doing something else. Stephanie, your, re your response to my yeah, your uh, question. description of, right. of criminal activity. Right. I think about them, the Italian-Americans coming here and contributing a great deal to our country and the history. But the difference is, is that they came through Ellis Island. Rather, the people here changed their last name because it sounded too Italian and they couldn't say it or whatever. But we knew who was coming into our town, into our country. We, someone had to sponsor them. They had to be healthy. So now this is very different. These people are pouring into the country. And the difference is when the Italian-Americans did something bad, the gangsters or the mobsters, they went to jail. We see how many Venezuelan gang members beat police officers in New York on camera. They're released. And then later on, they're picked up for robbing um, a Macy's store. There's no, uh, you know, that's consequences for what they're people, doing. That's about six people, though. That's so, about six people. I mean, and that's just, but, but in New York, it's a problem that's New York, everywhere that they're, the, they're taking over, where they're, they're on these little scooters that aren't registers, and they're grabbing phones, they're grabbing iPads and purses. We're just being invaded, and our government and our police are sitting back should with their they, hands tied, and they can't do anything about should it. Should they go into prison? in the United States, no. or should they be sent back? They're sent back immediately. And on the what, first happens, what happens, because we discussed this last week on this program with Todd Benzman, he said the countries don't want them back because in many cases they have been released from their prisons. I, I just, so if we arrest someone <laughs> and want to send them back to Venezuela, Venezuela's not taking them. So what do we do? What do you mean? So if we put them on a the plane, they just won't give the plane clearance to land? I mean, Could they, be. What, do we drop them off in the middle of the ocean? I mean, seriously. I mean, this is this is an issue. If we, Where do we send them? Maybe send them back to Mexico because Mexico is allowing all of this to go on. You, If you're seeking asylum, you go to the first place that you find, okay, I'm safe. I'm happy. You don't get to pick your country. That's the law, but they're, but they're, not, they're not following that law. Mm -hmm. The individual is not following the law, and Mexico is not following the law. Because you know what? Mexico doesn't want them either. I know. But we, we send them back, we build a wall, we figure it out. It's just not our problem. Cormac, what do we do? What's, what's Robert Kennedy going to do about this? Well, I mean, I think you have to go ahead and you have to try and solve the root cause. You know, whether that's pulling aid from different countries in South America and Latin America or Central America or whether it's imposing different sanctions on Mexico until they clean something up. I mean, mm -hmm. we also have to come from a point of understanding here that 
these countries are extremely corrupt in a lot of cases, and they're already plagued on a level we could never understand by crime and cartels and things like that. So already having to deal with that, they don't even they don't want to listen to what the U.S. has to say. I mean, they're being kind of courted by China and other other players that aren't friendly with the U.S. because we ignore their real issues. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's like we have to create a chain effect going down through South and Central America that shows these countries that we can't let this happen anymore. Robert Kennedy's father, Mm -hmm. who was the attorney general who was assassinated uh, in 1968, he was a crime buster. He was an organized crime buster. He was vehemently against, you know, the mob's involvement in unions. Uh, Is this an issue that you think Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to uh, move forward on should he be elected president of the United States? As far as the migrant crisis goes, 100 percent, there's way too much support in all of these key states that see this as a very big issue. He will immediately address the border issues because they just aren't being addressed. But as far as crime goes, I think that that is somewhat of a different issue. Obviously, we don't want crime in our cities. And if crime is coming across the border, you know, that's one thing that we can solve. But I think a lot of the crime that we're seeing in a domestic sense is just because of, you know, the poor job that our government's doing on both sides. People are being left with no options than, you know, to be a criminal or they're being put in environments, you know, a lot of urban environments where I'm sure none of us would really recognize it's it's a survival type situation out there. So you have to fix those issues before you just put people in jail in a sense. You don't want to give them uh, cards to work, right, oh, Stephen? no. Visas. If you don't give them some work permit, then they have what other choice do they have? They're the government exactly. dole then. But it disproportionately hurts low-skilled black and brown people. It's just that simple. When Why are we enforcing are you saying the that, are you saying that? Are you saying that when, black and brown people, just a second, mm-hmm. are you saying that they do not have access to the same programs? Are there not food programs? Are there not jobs programs that are available to black and brown people as well? Well, when employers would rather hire someone that's illegal for a cheaper rate, <laughs> that's where we get undercut. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Okay. We've got to pause on that point. 1-800-723-8029. By the way, if you've listened to this program and uh, you're intrigued by Robert F. Kennedy's campaign for president because the networks aren't talking much about it, we'll give you some specifics if you want to know more about the campaign when we roll on from Chicago. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is Beyond the Beltway. In the new video series, Fault Lines, Professor Vody Bauckham examines the threat of woke social doctrine versus biblical justice. The religion of anti-racism has no redemption. We have to be right about what God requires in this critical moment. Discover the fault lines beneath today's cultural divide. What God are you trying to appease? Fault Lines, the 10-part video series and essential six-part study guide. Available at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit SurroundChicago.com. Remember to visit SurroundChicago.com today. 
This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Back, we continue with Beyond the Beltway and uh, with our guests Phil Beverly and Charles Lipson and Stephanie Trussell and Cormac McGrath. Cormac McGrath is the name you may not be familiar with. He is the Illinois State Director of the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Presidential Campaign, also with Students for uh, Kennedy. And uh, if you want to get pencil or paper at home, uh, in a few minutes he is going to give you some information. If you want more information, about the Kennedy campaign, he will provide that uh, to you. Um, Charles, uh, I want to be let, let you start this discussion because one of the big brouhaha's that uh, Donald Trump created over the last uh, couple of weeks is when he suggested he was suggesting that uh, NATO members pay their two percent uh, obligation. Uh, or responsibility as he sees to support NATO. And then he said, and if they don't pay, uh, you know, I'm, I may encourage, uh, you know, Russia to go after him. And obviously everybody in the world went nuts with that suggestion uh, because Donald Trump has said good and bad things about NATO uh, in his public career. Um, what do you think of the idea and what do you think the reaction has been? It I'm glad you asked because I was actually writing about it um, uh, right up until the program I'm going to, uh, which is what is he trying to do? And I think the basic problem is that there are a lot of NATO allies who are not paying their fair share. And there were, th these freeloaders are in effect relying not just on the United States, but on Poland and Finland and Sweden and mm -hmm. the countries of Eastern Europe 
to pay more than their share. The, the problem is that um, Trump is treating it all like a tactical bargaining relationship uh, for building a new building and you're negotiating with people about a one-off deal. NATO is a long-term strategic relationship, not a tactical one. And uh, the heart of it is that the United it's in the United States' interest uh, to defend Europe, and the Europeans know it. And because they know it, some of them can freeload off of us. Trump's threat um, has some credibility because he is leading an isolationist movement both on defense and on uh, economic, on, on trade issues. Mm -hmm. So Europeans are going to worry about whether the United States' commitment to deterring Russia is really credible. And that's the essence of NATO. So and I this think is his... also, this is also really not something new because during his term as president, he, he made a lot of news about rattling the sabers, asking uh, the allies to pay their fair share. And they, they did up their, their, their payments uh, to, the, uh, to the pot, the, the NATO pot. And as I said, I think there was a report a couple of days ago that uh, some of the allies have already responded. In, in response to Trump's comments, uh, they have responded because, uh, you know, he is he's scaring them. It's a it's a negotiating tactic. And I think that, you know, when you look at what Donald Trump um, tries to do, I think Donald Trump likes being feared. I think he's feared. I think the allies fear him because they think he's half-cocked. Uh, you know, I, I said many years ago when Donald Trump was right after he came down that escalator, uh, there was a long-time, old-time uh, uh, pitcher with the New York Yankees. You may remember him. Uh, his name was Ryan Duran, and he had huge glasses. They were like, the, like almost Coca-Cola bottles. The guy could barely see. He was throwing at about 103 miles an hour. And when he would come in from the bullpen, the first two or three pitches, as the warm-up pitches, would go into the backstop. So nobody wanted to dig in against this guy because they were scared <laughs> the right. hell out of him because they were afraid they were going to get clonked in the head. So I, I think that he there's a Ryan Duran uh, aspect to Donald Trump. I, I think in his life, he has never felt respected. I think psychologically... That lack of respect is very deep with Donald Trump. He'd like to be respected. He wanted to like a, make a lot of money and to be re respected, but he's sort of like Rodney Dangerfield. He's not respected. So he would rather be feared than respected. Uh, Phil Beverly, do you think there's something to that, that uh, uh, Donald Trump likes the idea that, that, that you know, he, can, he can get people to fear him, and including his comment about anybody that supports uh, Nikki Haley is going to be on his uh, you-know-what list. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little dangerous on the, on the world stage. Um, you have but does a, it work? Do but does it work? Does it work, though? I, I, I don't know that it, that it works or doesn't work. I think it's a stupid thing to do. If you're looking for stability, stop trying to make instability. Um, do you want everybody to pay their fair share? Sure you do. But you have to think about that strategically. And again, like Charles said, not, not tactically. 
uh, I agree that you got to address the free rider program and you don't invite Vladimir Putin to attack your allies. That is beyond the pale. Vladimir Putin is not our friend. He's not our partner. He's a dictator. Period. So His what? Soul- life is to damage the United States. And anybody who wants to support Putin in my book is a traitor to this country, full stop. And I know that's that's kind of controversial for some, but you know what? Get over it. I'm an old school cold warrior. So when I came up, that guy was on the target list because he headed the KGB, not our friends. So when, when Donald Trump said during the last campaign, in 2000 or his last successful campaign in 2016 when he said it was better to have friendly relationships with Russia and Putin that's better than having uh, all animosity you disagreed with him then you obviously disagree with him now but did that give some degree of success I mean, is there something to that? The, the, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump has said only, that, that if he was president, that, that Putin would not have moved on, on the Ukraine. Do you believe that or not? I do. Yeah, that's a lie. That's, uh, he can't possibly know what Putin would have done. Of course not. Putin is always going to act in Putin's best interest. And well, why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it when Trump was president for four years? Why did all these conflicts in Gaza all around the country? None of this happened all over the world until Biden became president. They had four years to do all of this under Trump. I'm sorry, we haven't had conflict except in the last three years. Well, we haven't had everything on fire. We we didn't have a 20 year engagement in Afghanistan after 2001. And how did we leave Afghanistan? That didn't happen on Biden's watch. I'm sorry. Leaving Afghanistan under his watch was bad. But really quick, Zelensky hasn't stopped with free and fair elections. Is he a dictator? Should he be on our list as, as a dictator? Because it's not, you know, it's unfortunately two not very nice guys going up against each other. I mean, it's hard to get behind any one of them. And we certainly shouldn't be sending billions to someone like Zelensky. So is he a dictator, too? Really? I'm asking. Really? I don't know. We shouldn't send money to Zelensky. Mm -mm. I think it's it's who has the nukes that you're trying to deter. Who's the the country? I'm sorry, did Ukraine invade somebody? I can't muster up any I can't muster up any passion for a border other than ours. We need to secure our borders first and then I worry about Zelensky and what he's doing and all that. we've already spent sent a lot of money there. We have no idea where that money went. No one's doing a forensic accounting of okay, what do we do with the money? We don't have any more money, period. We just don't have it. We're out. We're done. What well, we have a Phil, lot of money actually. No, we don't. Well, Phil, <laughs> let me let me ask this. With the death of Navalny, uh, obviously, President Biden has said that, uh, you know, uh, Putin is responsible for that. What should the United States response be to the the death or mur- murder, if you will, of Navalny? Navalny? Navalny. Um, I, I think that this is really simple and not simple because I think it sets an interesting precedent. But I think one, if you want to get Putin's attention, you have to get his attention internally. And that means start liquidating some of the frozen assets of the oligarchs. Right now, they're frozen. That just means they can't use them. But if they lose them, 
that I think begins to shift the, the internal dynamic a little bit. And I think the oligarchs will start looking around going, hey, wait a second, you said this was gonna work out for us and it's not working out for us. And then for us to do that, it doesn't cost us any money since we don't have any money left. Let the Russians pay for it. Charles, you look a little perplexed. Go ahead. I don't think that the oligarchs are in a position to overthrow Putin. I think that the key is to strangle him financially. By the way, I think it's been a, a terrible mistake that Biden eased up on the sanctions of Iran as well. You just need to choke them so that they um, can't, uh, they don't have the money for their military. They don't have the technology that they can import and, and the rest. By the way, I think that uh, arming uh, some of the dissident factions in Iran is a real possibility. I don't see those factions in Russia. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you're right, uh, Philip, but I, I don't see that. I think that the, uh, the thing is to starve Putin of the ability to do the things he wants. Can, the, can Ukraine survive without U.S. military aid, Charles? No. No. Phil, do you it agree needs with that? The ammunition. No, they can't. Can't survive. Okay. We've got to pause. But by, by the way, most of the aid is uh, from our own military produced in the United States. It's right. not as if we're just sending over bushels of cash. Right. This I know. 1 800 723 8029. Bruce Dumont. We've got one more segment. Don't go away. We got lots coming up. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit SurroundChicago.com. Remember to visit SurroundChicago.com today. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. 
In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. <clears throat> Don't forget, it is President's Day tomorrow. It's not Lincoln's birthday. It's not Washington's birthday. It's everybody's birthday. It's Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, you name it. U.S. Grant, they're all celebrating. Celebrate them all tomorrow. Take a moment of silence and celebrate your, <laughs> celebrate your favorite president, whoever that may be. Um, Ronald be, Reagan. Before we uh, – I knew you would say that. Before we uh, leave the air tonight, uh, Cormac McGrath, uh, for those who have listened to you, or want to know more about uh, the Kennedy uh, effort, uh, how can they reach uh, you in Illinois? So the best re- uh, way to reach us is to just use my name, C-O-R-M-A-C. It's Cormac, different than the McCormick place, C-O-R-M-A-C at teamkennedy.com, exactly how you'd think it'd be spelled, T-E-A-M-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y.com. Uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Otherwise, if you go to Kennedy24.com, just Kennedy24.com, then uh, all of his policies, things to sign up, all of our events are on there. If you just click the events in the top right, uh, you enter the state map, just click on Illinois, and we've got events going all the time. You can RSVP for stuff. So You've got a unique thing because one of the things about campaigns, especially for young people, it's a, it's a, it's a good way to get to a, together socially and meet people, as you know, uh, Stephanie, because... Uh, you were once upon a time a, a youngster in the world of politics. Just two or three years ago, right? And uh, oh the, the question is, every Wednesday you're having a meeting with all your volunteers and would-be volunteers. And uh, what happens? Is that is that more of a social event or are you talking policy? What's happening at those events? So at these events, we have a, a weekly Zoom meeting that we do every uh, Wednesday at 7. Uh, but now we were offered this space in Jefferson Park at uh, 5001 West Lawrence Avenue. Uh, it's a great space, and we got room for plenty. But I'm just also broadcasting our Zoom while we're doing these in-person meetings so that we can mostly talk about strategy for Illinois, how to let people know that he's even running, because that's our biggest issue. If you don't listen, if you're just listening to the big three news networks, you don't know, you're not knowing about them. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we talk strategy, how we're going to get him on the ballot, how we're going to train people for that kind of thing, and and just really get to know each other because it's now cool at, to see the support. Now, at the moment, we have a primary coming up on March 19th. Uh, you sent a couple of confusing emails out this past week. Uh, one said vote and the other said don't vote. So if if you want to vote in the Illinois primary, uh, obviously Republican, you vote for Donald Trump. Democrat, you can vote for Joe Biden. But you're telling people if they want to vote for Robert F. Kennedy, 
they should not vote in that primary. So, yes. And I'm sorry if someone got the email and was a little bit confused. It's a little bit confusing, and it's, and it's hard to just put out in an email. But so the gist of it is when we reach this March 19th primary for Republicans and Democrats, there's, Kennedy is not involved that day at all. Independents are not involved that day at all for president. We have our own separate process that we have to go to as far as ballot petitioning which that doesn't even start till March 26th, and we'll get there in a second. Like I said, this is confusing. But at these primaries, we've had people let us know that while it might not be written in Illinois elector law, there's a very high chance that if you go to a primary on March 19th and you request a Republican or a Democratic ballot to vote for any of those offices, president, not president, anything, then they will probably most likely mark you down as a Republican or a Democrat. So if you later on in March or the following months when we're open sign a ballot for Bobby, they will contest and challenge you most likely saying, well, you can't want Bobby on the ballot. You've already said that you wanted Trump to be the Republican nominee. So what about if you what about if you choose to write in his name on March 19th? Will that work? That will not do any good. <clears throat> Writing his name in uh, won't earn him any votes. He is not involved. March 19th. Put Kennedy out of your head on that day. Um, because we as an independent uh, campaign, uh, after Perot, things changed a lot. We have our own separate process. The primary does not involve independent candidates like Kennedy. So if you would like to have President or have Kennedy on the you know, ballot in Illinois, it's pretty important that if you want to vote in the primary, you just request an independent or nonpartisan ballot. Or honestly, at the end of the day, it's, it's almost easier to just not vote in this primary. Can you... How many signatures will you need after that to be on the ballot in November? So we need, we will have 90 days starting March 26th to June 24th to collect 25,000 signatures in Illinois minimum. Because Illinois uh, contains Crook County, as most of us call Cook County, um, we're really shooting for double that at 50,000 to give ourselves a nice enough cushion so that when the electors down in Illinois get all these ballots, which, let me help you understand, all have to be stacked up into one single ream, single bound thing. It's going to be feet tall. Um, but when we give that to them, they're going to go through it, go through all the stacks and say, well, this is wrong and that person doesn't exist or this person said they're already a Republican and they will try and challenge everything and we'll have plans as to how we, how do we fix that. But again, if you get to 25,000 and they're all verified, mm -hmm. then Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will be on the ballot as an independent in November. That is correct. So you've got it. You've got it. In a, Illinois. Just in, in Illinois. In Illinois. And yeah. again, that same or a similar procedure is happening in all other states, and you've got a legal team that's, that's working on getting that done. So there is a, frankly, to summarize it, uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah. A lot of patience that, that you need to take if you want Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to be president. Yep. There, nobody is making it easy for him to get on that uh, ballot. And, no, and have they, don't, they don't want him on there. And, you know, since Perot really gave people a run for their money, which I'm sure a lot of people remember, they changed these laws <clears throat> drastically. And it is a lot harder as an independent to even have a chance, let alone get on ballots or, or get on a, anything. Okay, well, thank you very much for being with us. This is your maiden voyage. Uh, appreciate you that and uh, put in a good word with the campaign because uh, we'd love to have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a guest on this program to take questions and comments as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Our thanks this evening to Phil Beverly from the University of uh, Illinois at Chicago. He is retired and he's looking good in his Chicago Bears outfit. And Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago uh, Emeritus and also uh, just a 
been there about 30-plus years, and he is enjoying retirement as well. Stephanie Stressel has joined us. Uh, Trussell, she is a lieutenant gubernatorial candidate uh, this past year around here in Illinois, and she is a talk show host. And again, the, the name you just heard uh, talk about Robert Kennedy is Cormac McGrath. Cormac McGrath. And this is his first time, and he is the state director of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president and also involved in students for Kennedy. And they've got this big uh, gathering every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Wednesday in Jefferson Park. for something to do, just uh, tape uh, Chicago Fire and uh, go over <laughs> to the party. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night. Thanks also to Fritz Goldman. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. <laughs>